0: That's so podcast. It is Disney that we watch. That's so podcast. It's all content to us. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's the show. It's better than the
0: other five I did.
1: <laughs> no, that was good. We're this is a, a challenge for us. This intro thing. This this time around.
0: I used the obvious one first. Like I used my best shot first. Like I I like I like shot and you know, I shot my shot first, and then the guy got up and I'm like, I don't have any other bullets. What do I <laughs> do? I was banking on that working. <laughs> um welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter.
1: And I'm Sydney.
0: And welcome back to Disney Channel Month.
1: Woo-hoo. Boop, 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 boop. I know. We are having so much fun doing Disney Channel Month. This has been so fun and funny. Going down memory lane and reminiscing on the good and the great and the not so great <laughs> and the cringy. And,
0: uh, well, they decided to do that. So, so here we are.
1: Yeah. And you know what I think about, though, it's like this is not only a reflection of of what Disney Channel used to be. It's kind of a reflection of what I used to be or, or you know, like it's sort of a reflection of the people that we were <laughs> when we enjoyed right? this stuff. <laughs>
0: Honestly, that is the biggest thing where I'm, like, sitting down because, like, I've been really adamant about, like, I want to watch at least a little bit of everything I remember. My challenge is, like, if I have strong memories of one, at least watch an episode or two. Right. And just trying to talk to you about them, I'm like, man, I really sat down. Man, there was a time in my life where this was just on all the time. Mm -hmm. And trying to, like, place yourself in that space is really, really interesting. Right. (laughs) But um, yes, if you followed us last week, we went through the Disney animated television shows. We did a sort of chronological list of the entire history and covered the one, talked about the ones we were familiar with. Um, And this week, we're going to the other side of the screen. We're going live action. So for this week, we are covering all of the Disney Channel original live action content. Um, your even Stevens is your sweet life on decks. Your, your Lizzie's, A N T farms. Ant farm. <laughs> yes, but the joke was. We're not going to talk about that show. Of-
1: you know, we're yeah, we were deliberating on this before we pressed record today. Like we, I think we did a great job of covering literally everything when it came to the animated series. But like, I mean, I feel like. I kind of know our viewership.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You know, we're just going to spend time focusing on the ones that actually matter to us selfishly.
0: Yeah. Which, again, is a part of this sort of celebration experiment. Of the 40 years of the Disney Channel, what are the years that mattered the most to us when we right. were kids? Yeah. And I, as we were discussing beforehand, it is very, very interesting where, like, I have gone back... And like caught up with Owl House and Amphibia and Gravity Falls and a few of the other ones where I'm like, I feel like I have a pretty broad understanding of literally the entire history of animated Disney Channel content. Whereas once we get to a certain cutoff point here, like when we're really, really in high school and like getting ready for college, mm-hmm. none of these have an impact. I, some of these I've literally never heard of. And I think yeah. that is interesting how different the animated sphere is from the live action sphere. And I feel like that is something we're going to talk about here today.
1: Right, yeah. You know, I looking at the list, I feel like I remember I remember very distinctly and intentionally sort of turning away from Disney Channel at that time in my life. Um I like I cause when we were talking about it, I feel like in certain ways I stuck around longer than you did, but then in other ways you seem to like leave and then circle back for just very specific things
0: <laughs> right, right
1: and or i just sort of had like a cut off cold turkey um type like dynamic with with the channel where i was like you know what i'm done here you know what it was now that we're talking about it <laughs> and we, we will talk about decoms later but it was like i was obsessed with high school musical and then i got to high school and i was like this fucking sucks they lied. <laughs> I feel cheated.
0: <laughs> God, that is so interesting. I'm done here.
1: Right. I had, like, well, resentment have, in high school.
0: That's, again, that is really, because we, and that's what we talk about. We were the generation going into high school as High School Musical was coming out. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of different theories, because I've been ruminating on this last couple days as we've been getting ready for this episode, why it is that the cutoff gets so, like, harsh, particularly for the live action stuff. And I think as we talk about it, I think the answer, like, you really do realize, like, how laser-focused on a specific time and energy the Disney Channel content is, specifically Mm -hmm. their live-action content. When you look at, like, the tropes and you look at the broad sort of, like, oh, every show has to have these four or five things. And this is true about the Disney Channel original movies to a certain extent, too. You really realize... While it is fun for all the family, the mission statement for Disney Channel is a very specific age group. That, and like how much of that is just a byproduct of like, well, this is who we make sitcoms for. This is what television right. is. And how much of that is Disney specific, I think, is up in the air.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Um, yes, but before we dive in, and we have a lot to talk about today, it right. is time for an out of this world internet
1: minute so a few days ago carter and i treated ourselves to a little movie day slash disney desk business meeting which is what we call just us going to the movies um yeah
0: i mean the irs sure doesn't see it as a business expense but we'll get there they
1: should um Anyway, we saw Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. And so today, instead of having a traditional Internet Minute, where we talk about things we probably found on Twitter, uh, we want to spend this time giving a little synopsis. Not a synopsis, because we are not going to give any spoilers today. But we want to talk to you about our experience going in watching the movie coming out <laughs> and having to look ourselves in the mirror <laughs> and yeah. move on with ourselves
0: um, I do I, I do love that like we acknowledged it last week with James Gunn's tweet because we're like you know we both love Guardians so much we kind of owe it we kind of yeah. owe it to ourselves to talk about it at least a little bit you know we have to well
1: it's current yeah
0: yeah and then the minute we get out of the movie and both of us are just kind of like
1: I never want to talk about this again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, You were like, so we should just do this for our internet minute next, right? We should, we have to. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I actually had a point in the movie where I made that decision. I didn't, I didn't think we would need to talk about this at any point because we were committing to the Disney Channel month and I thought we would come up being like, yay, love the movie. And, like, maybe in the future we'll talk about it on Patreon or what have you. But, like, somewhere between, like, somewhere in the first act, I was like, oh, no, we're going to have to acknowledge this.
0: Yeah, we we sure are. I mean, yeah. where do you even begin? I mean, I think the whole experience can be summed up by within the first, like, five or six minutes as we're getting to, like, the title cards. Because it does that thing where they give you the title cards and, like, the cast in the beginning. Right. I think you just look over at me shaking your head like, I can't do this. And oh,
1: yeah. Right in the first few minutes of the film was like, I don't, like, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. <laughs> because James Gunn really holds no punches here. I mean, like, it it was, listen, here's here's what we'll say about this film. Like, it's going to, like, tear your heart out of your chest and, like, squeeze it really hard, okay? This is an emotionally, like, wrenching experience. And the second you think that you're getting a break, you just get backhanded by another really um, emotionally heavy discovery
0: <laughs> yeah it's 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 one of the most full films i've seen in a really long time yeah where like really and like you know if we're not going for the full scope of human emotions with films what are we doing mm-hmm. like it really is like it is emotionally wrenching and intense and like thoughtful and melancholy mm-hmm and goofy, and fun, and whimsical, like, I I feel like, because people have been so focused on, like, how emotional it is, this is, this is probably the funniest Guardians of the Galaxy movie for me, like, this one is really one where I'm like, there is not a single joke that misses, it is just, that's true, every single joke lands, there's no bit where I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's get back to the, right, you know, let's get back to the action here, right, it's, you know, the action's intense, I will say, like, you know, there's been so much discourse about like, you know, it, the depictions of animal cruelty and also I feel like we underrate how violent this movie I is. Like people were
1: going hurt. to mention that to you that I think this is the most violent Marvel MCU film that we've had
0: by a country mile.
1: And it surprised me because it seems out of nowhere.
0: Even more than the freaking werewolf movie.
1: Yeah, even a lot more than the freaking Royal World movie. Like it, like it seems like such a large departure from from Volume 2. Like it's it it confused me almost because we've never not only in this particular little franchise but like again in the whole MCU, we've never had this level of like explicit <laughs> like violence. Um, it's usually just kind of been goofy alien violence, like, but... Right. But this is kind of, like, real. There's real violence in this movie. And uh, what, what what's the rating on this movie? I don't even see. Is this a 13?
0: PG-13. All the MC. Oh, they're all PG-13. Oh. I will say, like, it is becoming clear PG-13 might cover slightly too big a spectrum. Yeah. Especially in this era where people don't really, like, investigate before the movie, like, how violent right. something is. Like... I don't know, I was always a fan of Common Sense Media, which, like, is a website where it's like, this movie's PG-13, here are a couple things that are in it. Um, like, the idea of, like, oh, parents can do their homework, so if their kid is particularly sensitive to one thing, you can, like, look it up and be like, oh, jeez, uh, mm, maybe we shouldn't see this. Mm. Um, well, you know what's funny? You know what one of the most emotionally distressing moments for me in the MCU is not including this film?
1: In the whole MCU? Yeah. What's that?
0: Yeah, so so there was a bit... So in Endgame, after they snap to bring everyone back, and Thanos just yeets, like, just barrages the Avengers complex, War Machine and Hulk and Rocket get, like, stuck under the rubble. And Rocket is freaking out, because he has a metal bar, like, on his chest, and he's screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I think, like... Because again, you're talking. It's like goofy alien fights. Like people get thrown around. People get electrocuted. Yeah. People get like There's tentacles. into orbit. Yeah, it's like superhero stuff. But to have like a real depiction of like a character in physical, like a real peril, like yeah. the idea of like this character could just drown. This character is going to suffocate and die. Yeah. That is what this movie gets at a lot. Even though it is again a pretty cartoony movie where you're just like these right. people are getting hurt. Like there are stakes to this, and it like gets you so on edge for the entire movie where you're like, no, these people aren't invincible. Like, if one thing goes wrong during this adventure, they're just gone, and, like, we might not get them back. And
1: And there are several instances of that, like, over and over again in this film, of being like, this is going to be it. (laughs) Like, we're never going to see that person again.
0: (laughs) Right, and it is, like... But it has to be that way because yeah. this movie is the most family movie of all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And it's like, yeah, they really are willing to go this far for this mm-hmm. one character, right? for this one member of their family. Of
1: course. And it, um, it seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, I'm not even... Right. It's it's totally not out of place that we would spend three hours going to these lengths for just one character.
0: Right. Um,
1: you know, what I want to, like... My biggest thing is like going into this movie, again, <laughs> my fears, I, I I thought the hardest part about this movie would be having to say goodbye to the franchise and to the team. I thought that was going mm-hmm. to be the worst part. Like I, I was expecting that. I, I felt that that was going to be what would get me. I wasn't ready to say goodbye. And it turns out, that was actually one of the easier things about this movie. Um, the saying goodbye part was actually the easiest pill to swallow in this whole experience. That actually wasn't so bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, you know what I mean, because you saw it. And for those of you, we hope that you go see this film. You'll understand what I mean by that, too. That, you know, actually, that
0: that actually That's wasn't so bad part.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah
0: yeah it's i mean it's uh, like i didn't because again i like i didn't cry because things were necessarily sad like people were i and maybe that's part of like audience expectations people were hyping up the sad parts so much i was ready mm-hmm. to ball my eyes out it was the parts that were life-affirming the parts of like oh these characters actually grew up yeah like, these characters actually grew and became something better than what they were mm-hmm. um I'm not going to spoil the one line that really killed me, but it was just a line that underlined, like, none of these people are who they were supposed to be.
1: All yeah. of these people
0: had something horrible happen to them that fundamentally changed the course of their entire lives. And yet they found something there. They mm-hmm. still became something better from that. And, me oh, man, this movie. I know. How many times have you just spontaneously cried in the last two days?
1: Um, I mean, I spontaneously cry all the time. I can't remember the times that are related to this movie. You know, I after that that evening after we saw it, I went back and watched volume 2, volume 1, excuse me. Which is my favorite thing to do when I'm watching like a, like if I finish a series or anything and I finish the last episode, I will immediately go back and rewatch episode 1 and then like start like connecting the dots there like for something about that something about that for some reason is so satisfying to me but and I did that with this movie I actually went back and that evening I watched volume one again and you're right like looking at even though Mantis isn't in it looking at like a specifically a character like Drax um where I was like yeah I wasn't when I was introduced to characters like Drax and Mantis, I had such low expectations for what they could be. Right. And it was up until the Christmas special, really, did I start to... to? Um, I always loved them as, as um, you know... Um, what are their names? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That, like, a sort of, like, comedic relief. Um, but... I thought that that was sort of their, not that I thought, but I just believed that this is what their purpose would be forever Mm -hmm. in the MCU and in, and in this team. And it's such a relief to have been proven wrong.
0: Yes. It like, and that's why like it's the series is really special and why it's really important that James Gunn did get to see his production all the way through. I will say I do love some of the ways he's talking in interviews. You're like, oh, he is still upset about how all that went down, isn't he? Mm. Um, which, totally justified. Because if there's one thing that's underlined this movie is he fucking loves all of these people and all of these characters. Absolutely. Like, this gets framed as a Rocket movie. And that's only because it turns out Rocket is the most guardian of the Guardians. Yeah. Like, he is the emotional heart of the team. But, like, every character gets everything they need by the... Like, that their arcs are reached fully in this movie. Right. Like, if you like one individual character, you will be immensely happy with where they end up. Yeah. Or, like, what the story takes them on.
1: Right, right. And I don't know about you. Like, we talked about, like, which is our favorite guardian. Like, I've... And as much as I adore Mantis... Mantis Mantis might be my favorite guardian. But Rocket's always been one of my favorite characters in the whole MCU. If I'm honest. (laughs)
0: Like, again, it's... He's... He's like the emotional thesis, he's like the thesis statement of the MCU fully realized where it's like, if we're not telling these big bombastic stories about gods and superheroes and creatures and like, if we can't make you emotionally invested in the life and times of a raccoon who doesn't know what a raccoon is. Yeah. And what the fuck are we doing here? Right. Then we might as well not bother with these. But we should bother because that's what we're doing.
1: Exactly. Um...
0: I got to ask now that we've had some time to clear and as I don't know how many more thoughts you want to give away. Cause like most of my other thoughts are spoilery.
1: Me the only too, other note yeah. I
0: wanted to say is like a huge Adam Warlock guy. I actually really like what they do with him. Um, yeah, me too. I like, he ties into a bigger theme in the movie about like emotional intelligence and like, you know, mm-hmm. respect to all living things, which I really appreciate. But um, where would you rank this in terms of the guardians movies?
1: I mean, if I, including the special.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can include the special. It counts. It's canon.
1: If I were to rank these, oh, that's difficult. Because it's like, the only reason I would put anything above this movie is just because the other movies don't absolutely torture me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I have again. Been, it's I, so
0: weird how uplifting this movie ends up being, and we're both like emotionally have, just drained. I
1: feel like I feel abused as a viewer, kind of like I've been through so much with this movie. Like I've, I would put it. I, I think Volume Two is still my favorite, and then I would put vol. I would put Volume Three, and then I'd put the Christmas Special only because it doesn't. The Christmas special doesn't feel like a full ensemble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though I love the Christmas special so dearly. And then volume one at the end. What about you?
0: I think I would swap. I hate to say it, but I think I would swap three and two. It'd be three, two, special one. Okay. And I hate to say it. This might be the new gold standard for me. Really? Yeah. It. It Again, it's just, you know... Like, we're both, like, geeks. We both, like, try to break things down a lot. And we both, like... You know, I like, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching a movie, like, in my head, I'm, like, thinking about the mechanisms of it in Gears. But this movie just turned all of that off where I'm just fully in the universe, where I'm, like, I need this... Like, I need to know what's happening to these characters. I need to know what's going to work out for them. And, like, like I, I wasn't thinking. I was just emotionally responding to things. Um, yeah, and it, it like... The future, like, I hate to say it, but the future of DC is very bright now. I also just thought both of our reactions to the end of the movie were funny. You just didn't want to talk about it. You were pretending we hadn't seen a movie. Whereas I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I just ran into traffic? I did that bit for a while. After you did it for too long. Ended. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I dragged that one out.
1: It was, I was going through the, like, stages of grief. Where I was in denial. And then I just got angry. Where I was like, how dare he do that to us? What did we ever do to that's him? Why he,
0: that's why he's the goat. Yeah. He's the goat.
1: But then I came around to acceptance and all the other things.
0: <laughs> Good. Good. And now back to your regular scheduled programming.
1: Okay, so... Let's start with you know what we should say first. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's talk about um, to rope in the whole Patreon thing again because I'm always pushing Patreon. Um, let's let's let them know about like the whole after school thing. I feel like that'll like we can talk a little bit about that episode we recorded just as a transition into like oh yeah like that's that's mostly what our relationship to, to Disney these Disney Channel shows kind of look like. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then it can be like, here's some of our favorites.
0: Right. So like we said, um, so like we said going into this episode, we're not really doing the chronological structure order thing we did last time, just because the timeline for these is a lot tighter.
1: Right. That That's- would just be us being like, have you ever heard of this? No. Have you ever heard of this one?
0: Nope. 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 What about this nope. one? Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, we're focusing more on our specific memories and like specifically like our sort of after school memories. Um, For those who tune into our Patreon, we recently did a fun exercise where we like made our dream lineup for a Disney Channel afternoon.
1: Exactly.
0: We realized that's kind of a fun way to approach this because. Again, what is this if not a trip down nostalgia lane?
1: Exactly, yeah. I know, I don't know about you, but, like... And I said this on our Patreon. Um, I, I came in from school, I had that TV on. Like, it, that was, like... I felt like I was, like, missing something all day. Do you know what I mean? Um right. Even right. though, during the day, they were playing nothing of, of value. Like, they were just kind of filling these time slots for all the sick kids that were home from school, maybe. Um, but, like, I yes, I, Disney Channel was on from the time I got home from school to the time I went to bed at night. Um, So, you know, like, like we said, it's like, this was such a, a, a formative, like, inspiration to the people that we turned out to be. But we just like, we spent so much time watching TV. And, you know, I feel like that there are so many extra memories to Disney Channel that go beyond the shows and the movies, like mm-hmm. some of their like ad campaigning I have very clear memories of like and maybe these are topics for when we do the, our notes from the host every week for for patreon, but like I remember these like when when we were this age, they had so many different campaigns encouraging us to like get out and play and, like, do a sport. And it was, like, I think, I I have a feeling we were the first generation that may have consumed too much television or that there was a concern that we were consuming too much television.
0: Oh, no. You know what's funny? I did think that we should probably bring that up. Like, there were so many campaigns. Like, that was our generation, which is funny because TV existed for, like, 40 years before us. right? But, like... You know, that was when that was was, our generation's
1: just say no.
0: Like, (laughs) yeah, that was our generation's like drug scare. That was our rock and roll. (laughs) That was our girls wearing boyish, vaguely boyish hair. Yeah. Um, Ours was like turn your TV TV. off
1: and go outside. Yeah. Even not even just on Disney Channel. Remember, I think Nickelodeon may still do this where they actually cut broadcasting for like 24 hours. No, it's all day.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. I for, you're right. It was a whole year. Yeah, and they, they, they turn so it
1: back f- on at, like, 8 p.m. and, like, show a movie at the end. But, they're like, there's nothing on Nickelodeon for an entire day once a year.
0: And it's so funny because it's, like, you know, like, with all of these moral panics, it's, like, oh, well, social order is breaking down. Or, like, oh, this will lead to drugs or this will lead to crime. It's, like, what did leading to too? what would too much TV lead to? I don't know.
1: I have no idea what they, I don't know. This was Bush, man. I don't know what they were thinking. They had a lot of weird ideas about children in the 2000s. Yeah.
0: Well, they still do, but yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's so funny. And it's so funny because there is a part of it that's not wrong because this is a, this is a discussion I've seen done before. Of, like, you realize, as I was going through and watching these, you really do realize, like, the cadence in which children talk. Like, at least, and I can't speak for you, but I definitely can speak for me and a lot of my friends. You realize so much of the cadence you talk by, like, as a kid, is dictated by shows like this. Like, it really is this weird sort of snake eating its own tail where they're like, well, let's make shows kids want to watch. Let's depict, you know... Yep. And then that drives our personality, which drives how the shows are written, which drives our personality. Right. Which, which drives, drives how the shows, shows are
1: written. written. Yeah.
0: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think I mentioned this on here. I probably mentioned it when I was talking about the um, Spirited Away thing I saw. But, like, uh, like Miyazaki's big thing about that was, like, he was on vacation with, like, family friends and their, like, daughters were playing and he just started flipping through, like, one of their, like, teen magazines because he was bored, and he's like, God, is this what kids are really into? Like, do mm. they care about any of this stuff? And as you go back and watch this as an adult, you're like, man, this really, like, was this really, like, how yeah. like, executives and writers saw teenagers? And yep. I'm like, well, we did start aping it. We Like, you know, right. an elementary and middle school kid is basically just, like, shtick and catchphrases yep so i guess they weren't wrong
1: oh yeah absolutely you know i almost blame i blame nickelodeon in a lot of ways for that cycle of like more specifically with with the development of all that which was the first time that a children's network network was like what if we just copy and pasted adult programming and made it a children's show Yeah, Yeah. and then that's, and I feel like all of the other, at least Disney Channel follows suit and be like, you know what we need? Multi-camera sitcoms.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's really funny. It does kind of capture the two very different energies of that channel. That Nickelodeon's first attempt is, let's recreate Saturday Night Live, yeah, sketch comedy. That's where it's at. And Disney Channel, the fun for all the family network is like, uh, full House. That's Everybody loves
1: Raymond. For. Anyone? Yeah.
0: Yes. And <laughs> it's so funny because you do forget with Nickelodeon, at least, like before its branding was <laughs> like before it became the most '90s early 2000s thing, and its branding was <laughs> yeah, get slimed, yeah, booger. sneeze on a cat. Um,
1: <laughs> it
0: was it was like made by kids for kids. That yeah. was like their mission statement, right? And it's funny, like. It's funny how Disney's has always been fun for all the family and seeing how those two different approaches, like, apply to how they depict kids, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think I understand what you mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I also think it helps because, like, when you look at, like, in terms of, like, Disney Channel original content, like, there's stuff before Even Stevens, but, like, the fact that none of it is on Disney Plus kind of underlines, like, they don't consider that worth acknowledging question mark so like it is funny that this whole era is driven in a world where nickelodeon already exists right this isn't like disney's theatrical department where it's like well there's you know warner brothers wasn't making full animated films no one was making full animated films they get to set the terms it feels like with this content they have to set terms or work with terms that have already been set
1: right you know as we like as we Kind of dive in because like for the two of us, our list really starts with even Stevens in the year two thousand, right but yeah I'm remembering something that's not on this list at all that is actually the same situation as doug it's a kind it's kind of the same situation as Doug it's sister sister that switched hands sister
0: sister wasn't originally Disney
1: no, it was not originally Disney, but it was given to Disney, and I have heard Tamara Maori talk about this that for the longest time they genuinely didn't know what to do with that show in terms of like which network deserved it or 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 that it just fit neatly into but it it was um a CBS thing I think and or or at least it belonged to Nickelodeon initially and then was given to Disney at some point and then because I remember in the 2000s that all of the reruns of the show were playing on Disney channel all the time. Um, but so, so yeah, so it had been like given to Disney at some point towards the end of its run in like its last couple seasons. seasons. Uh, and that's not even on this list here, but for like somewhere around that, that was certainly in the nineties. So, so it's, it's interesting. We are using Wikipedia here, folks. So, you know,
0: here uh, with us, yeah. But it is so funny because it's such. a It feels like such a quintessential Disney thing now, doesn't Especially it? Especially because they did so much more stuff with Disney, yeah. Because Disney just had a thing for twins, like
1: oh yeah. In terms every of, like the, the '90s th- had a thing for twins, like you got you got your Mary kate's you got your Tia Tamara's, and then they again. And you're right, they would go on to Zach and Cody, and blah 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 blah. But I, like, I
0: just, I just don't. Why? Is it just because it's a natural baked in? And, like, I guess so much of comedy history, like, classic comedy history is built on, like, the duo. So you're like, oh, they're already related? Oh, then it's going to be perfect. They already have a natural rapport with each other. You don't have to have Drake and Josh work together for years for them to figure out their comedy stylings.
1: Right. You need, yeah, you get twins, and you make one of them the straight man and one of them them the the goof. And Tia and Tamara had, had that dynamic, and to a degree, Mary Kate and Ashley also had that too. Um, yeah, that's probably a conversation for another time as why um, it was t- twins made for good storytelling. Um, yeah. Because in the in the what in the Full House days, that was just out of necessity that it that was, was convenient. Just,
0: you legally, can't have a baby on set that long
1: for that long, so get two and rotate their nap times and have a nice day. Yeah. Um, and then that became lucrative. So anyway, but yeah, doesn't sister, sister feel like it? it's always felt like more of a Disney thing, especially because the channel would go on to use Tia and Chimera yeah,
0: like as actors and,
1: again and again yeah. on the, on their channel. So it seems like they've always belonged on Disney.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, again, we've talked about Disney being like a collector and incubator of talent, even yeah. at its worst periods. It's like. Like, even during, like, the 70s when things... Or, like, the 80s when things were really sucking, they're like, all right, well, we want to keep you around, Mr. Burton. Clearly, you have some kind of right. talent here. We just don't know how to use it yet. And, like, that's so much... Like, yeah, yeah I every feel like, part of the, like, enterprise has that energy.
1: Yeah, I feel like Disney Channel is, like, the only studio, if you will, that follows the kind of old Hollywood way of of, of like having an actor for their entire career of mm-hmm. like Greta Garbo is with Paramount forever. And like she only Greta does Gar- these pictures. Did you just
0: take Greta Gerwig's name and make it add a O to it to make it sound more fifties? Greta Garbo
1: or um what's her name? Is she not a Garbo?
0: Greta Gerwig?
1: No. There's an actress named Greta Garbo.
0: Oh I thought you were doing a bit.
1: You've never heard of Greta Garbo? She's like
0: a, I don't know, man. I she's can like remember anything.
1: She's like a diva of like the film noir era. She's huh. a big deal.
0: But yes. Anyway. But yeah, that like that's always been a part of Disney's thing. Like, you know, yeah, this is our guy. We're representing our guy.
1: Right, right.
0: Or in this case twins.
1: Yeah, and they did that with all of their their stars. I think more so than the other channels like Nickelodeon. Um who were like, yeah, Miley Cyrus is ours forever. She signed her name in blood, and we own her.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, cr- we'll get there. Yeah. But yes, um, even Stevens. You know what's funny? I remember the even Stevens movie, like a T. But the show, rewatching it, I'm like, I completely forgot it had a claymation opening. I completely forgot right. like the energy it had mm-hmm. and like the pacing. Um, I watched the episode with the talent show and it's just funny mm. because it's Shia LaBeouf looking at his comedy inspirations, which include Adam Sandler and Kramer from Seinfeld. And I'm like, oof, has anything dated worse than a Shia LaBeouf staring at a poster of Kramer, presumably a few months before he becomes literally unhirable in Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> um, um.
1: Even Stevens had one of my favorite um, like holiday specials. They were a Jewish family. So they had like a Hanukkah special and I always appreciated that it was kind of something different.
0: Um, and it's a wonderful life, but Hanukkah.
1: Yeah. And they're visited by like their Bubby, um, <laughs> who like comes back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's essentially what it was. Um, I loved even Steven's so much. I used to watch that quite often um that's definitely one of the favorites i I but you're right when you just mentioned that I totally forgot about the claymation thing
0: which that is that might be the most like 90s 2000s thing yeah. because like and especially as a kid who was watching a lot of Nickelodeon they really liked their claymation yeah like, if you could find a way to work like poor like sort of jank, clay <laughs> figures jank. Into something they would find a way don't mm-hmm. you work like rest your little head it will get there yeah I mean, for me, it is interesting because I was watching these in rapid succession. It really is interesting how much of the blueprint was laid by even Stevens in terms of like, you forget how cartoony all of these are, and I don't mm-hmm. just mean in like the performances are exaggerated. A lot of times, the performances are weirdly understated at times. Right. It is literally like cartoon sound effects, like mm-hmm. with hands, sun, like fisheye the Films. Yeah. Yes. Like they are invoking like. Like, well, one, I get this is less of a sitcom because this is like a single camera thing, but like you underrate how much they are going for cartoon, even in their live action stuff. Mm. That's interesting. um yeah, like i it, it was so weird, because it's because I remember that for that so Raven, because that's you know that's where it gets really heightened.
1: Mm-hmm. but like
0: you see, and like, I think we'll talk about there's a lot of like tropes, you know so much of the Disney Channel is built on, like, tropes and having, like, set things you have to have. And seeing all of those get set up here is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's funny because the next one's Lizzie McGuire. I never even thought, because there's so much stuff. Like, you know, we're still learning things about each other. We've been friends for almost 10 years now, but I feel like we still learn, like, about each other's tastes pretty frequently. When we went to that Disney 100 and you're like, Lizzie McGuire, my brain is like... I never even thought about whether or not you had a relationship with Lizzie McGuire.
1: Oh, my God. Lizzie McGuire was my everything. Like, no joke. (laughs) Um, I thought she was the coolest girl. You know, the pilot of Lizzie McGuire to this day that, that impresses me as an adult was that its pilot was about her, like asking her mom for a bra like that was how they wanted to sell this this show like that's you can tell so much like from a pilot of what of like what they want their thesis to be and they're like here's a tween girl and (laughs) and we want her to like embarrassingly like demand from her mother that it's time for her to like start wearing a bra or whatever and everything is so heightened and like embarrassing like everything is so deeply embarrassing I don't know why um but Lizzie McGuire was like the quintessential like tween girl with like, you know, they they were just good at padding out her world in a way that was like so envy enviable with like, she had like the coolest bedroom and she like had a desktop computer in her room and like a phone and it was all that like clear, like, you know, when like Apple computers were like that those, like, neon colors, and they were, like, clear, and,
0: like... Oh, yeah, through. like, be, it, it's, like, an N64. That era was just yeah. super into clear... Here's all the wires. color.
1: Yeah, don't... Yeah. Isn't this cool that you can see the wires? Um, and, you know, she had the... You know what, what Lizzie McGuire did for me, honestly? It was, like, at that age, because I, like, in the 2000s at this point, would have been really young, like, elementary age more, like, mm-hmm. more so. Um... But she made me think that, like, being in high school was, like, the epitome of, like, being grown. Even though she was, like, they were, like, supposed to be middle schoolers even. But it's, like, I wanted, the weird thing that I wanted was, like, a locker. Like, they made, like, they made it look so fun to, like, stand around a locker and talk to your friends and, like, have posters of, like, Aaron Carter in your locker or whatever. (laughs) And like,
0: which is funny because our high school, you had to like explicitly ask for a locker. You didn't just get one.
1: Right, that's another story. Yeah, we had we had the. I did have a middle school locker. That was, but our high school was mm-hmm. too freaking large that you carried everything on your back everywhere. There was no time to go to a locker. And when somebody had a locker, you were like weirdo. Like, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. What do you What do you need? Like, what do you yeah. have that is so insert like un- <laughs> right. like un- cumbersome that you need right. to do this
1: exactly um but yeah I I have a relationship with with Lizzie McGuire um still and we talked I forget how long ago we talked about this I think it was like the anniversary of Disney plus and you asked me like what was the first thing I watched when I downloaded Disney plus and it was Lizzie McGuire for me that was a the first thing I immediately so indulged in
0: yeah Again, I forgot so much about this show, mostly and uh, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that this is what I remember, but I remember like the animated segments so much right and for me, it's like for me, that's like the entire hook of the show because it's like what a cool way to depict an inner monologue right like, I love how simultaneously high and low concept it is where it's like you're following a teenage girl and you see inside her head, and it's like just kind of slightly jank pre and animation, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, awesome. That's like how I picture my head. And so much of the show is like, are they fought, are they observing teenagers and drawing depicting teenagers how they are? Or are we acting based on what we saw in this show? Because you're right, so yeah, much a of this. Yeah, both. Yeah. Just the way she talks, even just the idea that she's always embarrassed by her parents. I'm like, is that normal for kids, or did television decide it's normal for kids? And then we like. And
1: then we were yeah embarrassed by every adult in our yeah. Um, you know what, so, like, Liz McGuire especially, as an adult, I have a lot more of a scope of what it means to be a child actor, but I mean, like, when we talk about these, like, 2D sequences, I'm like, this girl was working a lot. (laughs) Like, she was filming these shows, and she had to go into a studio and record this, like, ADR.
0: Yeah, and it's not just, like, yeah, like, you know, you record ADR for everything, but this is, like, a performance performance. You have to, like, do You have to put the work in for this.
1: Right. She's got two jobs (laughs) for the same show.
0: And I do think... And that's something I want to talk about as we progress through these and we get to the end of our discussion. But it really is underlining, like, oh, yeah, these are all children. This isn't, like, you know, when you watch a Disney animated movie, you're like, well, these are all professional voice actors. These are all Broadway stars or celebrities. Like, this is their... Like, they've been doing this for years. Right. And the live action stuff, you're like, oh, they, they're adults. They're all adults. The fact that it's all kids carrying this corner of the Disney world is, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to think about. Right. Um, yeah. And again, I just like, man, so much of how you imagine high school is dictated by this stuff. Because it's like, yeah, of course, you always have, your younger sibling's always annoying and a weirdo. You always yeah. have two friends, a guy and a girl
1: hmm and uh, the guy has a me. crush
0: on you, probably. Oh, always, literally <laughs> always. Again, that's when I lost, Kim Possible lost me, because I'm like, her and Ron would never actually get together. What are we doing here? People? No, yeah. This is an outrage. Right. Uh, um, But of this, like, early batch, I think for me, That's So Raven is the one where I'm like, this is the one I probably watch more than any of the others for this, like, like sort of... Pr- pre-Zach and Cody era. Okay. Like, I was so into that, so Raven.
1: So was everyone. Listen, like, I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Like, Raven, Simone, that that's so Raven. This this was I Love Lucy for Disney Channel children. Raven, Simone was the Lucille Ball of this era. What take. And it was almost like if you look. Let me get my Ivan mitts. Right. If you look at this, like it's almost beat for beat. I love Lucy. She gets into a costume every single episode. <laughs> she there's some sort of misunderstanding, and she gets into like hijinks where she's probably acted kind of selfishly and got herself into trouble, and has to put on a costume and get herself out, <laughs> and calamity ensues. Like this was almost beat for beat. I love Lucy, um, and like cash the check it was <laughs> it was it was uh just a, an absolute success not just from raven simone but i mean like these were deeply talented teenagers all of them the whole ensemble like they were yeah. really gifted
0: yeah and i like i think to your point it's like like they're asking kids in all these shows to do a lot of stuff but at the same end of the day lisa mcguire's still largely like verbal comedy like most of its comedy comes from talking and quips and occasional slapstick like this show yeah literally every episode is some crazy cartoony nonsense especially Mm -hmm. like i forgot how many prosthetics were in this thing (laughs) yes i was going through because this one i didn't need to watch that many episodes because i just remember them vividly when her father's going against his former rival in iron chef and she accidentally (laughs) like is it shellfish that she has an allergic allergy to? Something Some like kind that of fish. Yeah. So she has giant prosthetic hands that she can't do anything with. Yep. Or like when the food, like the like the cafeteria, gets turned into a food court and everyone's gaining weight, and mm-hmm. she like has to to demonstrate it. She fills up her like jumpsuit with air and then gets ricocheted around the room. Or even <laughs> yeah. just like they're doing a Renaissance themed prom and she gets put in like the oh, in uh... the um, yeah the stocks that's the word I wanted to say gallows and I'm like no that's a very different thing Carter um she gets put in the stocks and she has to physically like she has to like tumble around the room with this thing around her head and it's like Mm -hmm. again it is so funny how cartoony some of these get where you're like Mm -hmm. how did you come to live action for this as opposed to um like it would be so much easier to do if it were a cartoon but you committed and it's so much more fun and richer because it's like the fact that you figured out how to do all of this in live action is crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm impressed with like again this. Oh, you know, I recently saw an an interview with um, Annalisa Vanderpool who played Chelsea, um, and I didn't realize. It, now that I'm looking at this list, uh, she mentioned that this was the first multi camera show for the channel. For those of you that don't really? know, um, there's two ways to film. A show You can have a single camera show and a multi-camera show. So examples like even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire are sort of single cam shows. They're kind of filmed more like a movie, you know, something along the lines of like a Malcolm in the Middle um, shows like that, where they sort of have this, this intimate closed in feeling. And multi-camera shows are where, you know, they used to say, like, perform in front of a live studio audience, where it, yes, it has the this, like, the world. right this, this like, big studio, you know, brightly lit show, where the actors kind of perform it, almost like a play, and it's sort of edited together later, because there are multiple cameras just set up while the actors are just kind of, like, going. And every now and again, they'll, they'll have to, like you said, um, shoot things in with a single camera if there's like a complicated shot or something like that mm-hmm. um so but so that's or even was the first iteration of a multi-camera sitcom just like something like a friend um or like seinfeld or something like that anyway um i'm always impressed with how this this followed the like traditional sitcom formula of having like really high profile um cameos are like guest star appearances from Mm -hmm. like really prolific like actors or actors that used to be like significant and you're surprised like watching this as an adult i'm like i can't believe kathy kathy lee gifford like agreed to be on an episode of this um as like a prominent character uh like in this in this episode particularly um but yeah there are like there are a handful. I wish I could, like, pull up a list of, like, every guest star that's ever been on the show. But they did that so often. And it, and it's, like, such a cool thing to watch back as an adult. Thinking of Is how Raven's Disney...
0: grandma a celebrity guest? Yes. I remember who plays her grandma. Because that blew my mind. Because I was thinking about it. I'm like, we haven't even brought up the premise of the show being that she can see the future. And it leads to... Right. Like... I love, that makes it so much funnier because Lucy usually gets into her situations because she's stubborn and has like a high opinion of her capabilities. Raven gets into them because she literally sees the future and decides instead of just letting the future happen, I'm going to try and turn everything in my favor and it never works.
1: Yeah, see, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because Raven, watching this as an adult again, I was like, oh my god, Raven is the worst character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she sucks. Like, actually, she sucks. And the she only reason the
0: powers of divination to right? try and get her like.
1: Way. I think she and like and you know what? There's something sort of healthy about that because kids are kind of supposed to be self centered. Like, uh, I think a healthy child is kind of introspective like that, and then, and then you learn the hard way. But like, yeah, she. All of her problems is because she is very selfish. <laughs> she's very selfish, and um, yeah, and 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 yes, abuses her power to skew things in her dynamic. But
0: she can't. She's not good at using her power.
1: No, and the only reason that this that she gets away with this is because everyone else in her world is very stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like I will say as we progress through these, it is so funny how like. So much of sitcom humor, especially sitcoms with high concepts like this, is built around the idea that apparently, like, maybe during the Cold War, someone did drop the bomb and everyone's brain
1: <laughs> is, like, half working. Yeah. Um,
0: um, yeah, it's, it is funny. Like, that's, in terms of, like, we're talking about how it depicts kids. It's interesting how it depicts kids as kind of, like, selfish and self-interested. And I guess it gets away with that because usually they learn their lesson by the end of the episode.
1: Right. Do you have a favorite, um, oh, you said your, the food court episode is your favorite? That's oh, a Raven episode? I mean, it's
0: tough. Either that or the chef episode. Anyone that really makes, like, again, the ones that really let Raven, like, flex her, like, acting chops, especially acting chops under extreme circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um... For some reason, an episode that really sticks with me is the episode where she doesn't get a job because the owner of, like, the, like, clothing store in Sassy's, the mall is I think it's racist. called. Yeah. Yes. And I just, like, that was, like, the first time I had seen, like, explicit racism on television. So that's always stuck with me.
1: That's interesting. Um,
0: yeah, it's... Ah, oh, there's so many good episodes. Um, I, Again, I like the one where her grandma shows up because the fact that she's a psychic too blew my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. The Food Court episode, of course... Um the episode where we haven't even mentioned uh Corey at all, but the episode where he gets his own show. Yeah, he gets his own show, don't you worry.
1: <laughs> right. Corey was a great accessory to all of this. He was an, an excellent like foil, so to speak. Um yeah. I I loved I love that he wasn't just like the difference between him and and a character like Matt. From Lizzie McGuire Matt was just like He was just kind of gross And like He was yeah. genuinely funny But like I loved that he let Corey's like This little capitalist Like that's so hilarious That's very uh, funny yeah,
0: <laughs> It is fun <laughs> It is fun to see The different flavors Because like All of these shows Approach Younger sibling As they're malicious Or conniving right. In some way yeah. And the different Shades and flavors That comes in Is interesting In this one Of like uh, like, mecha-maniacal capitalist is very, very funny. The idea that, like, <laughs> right. it's, like, the Megan energy of, like, they are a schemer. They are always scheming to get to the top. Right. And it's just to make money this time.
1: Right. Um, I feel like my... I have, like, two probably favorite episodes. Um, the first one features an, a cameo from Paul Abdul, where... Um, there's this sh- talent show called Star Search, and like they go under like a judge from the show Star Search, which was like their American Idol, which this was at the height of American Idol, so obviously oh, Paul Abdul, all of these things would have been <laughs> would have made a cameo on the show. And that
0: was like the biggest fucking thing on the planet. I know. And now they're on like guest hosts number eight, seven, nine, ten, twelve.
1: Exactly. Um, but that so <laughs> they they think that. She, like, of course, because Raven has a vision, um, that there's going to be, like, an undercover judge at their high school. So everybody puts on, like, a performance for this janitor who's just, like, a sanitation worker that's, like, from the health department, and they're just performing for this guy <laughs> oh in every room. Oh, my God, I remember that. Yeah. Um, oh not only God. does that episode show the, like, the talent of all of, of this whole ensemble, like um, Orlando Brown and... Um, and on Alyssa Vanderpool, like, but it's just a, a very funny episode. Um, and otherwise, I love the seventies episode where there's like Haley's comet goes by, and Eddie gets psychic powers for a day, and it's like the they have like the boogie down seventies night at the. Um, that one has like the funnest costumes in it.
0: Yeah, they. I will say, I like, especially for this era of television, I'm shocked how little expense they spared. Like, right. mon- like, money was put into this. This was, yeah. not fo- like this was not a phone-in job. Exactly. Like, compared to, like, other sitcoms, I'm like, how much did you spend on this? Right. Um, this was, like, the era of, back, like, high-concept sitcoms for the channel for some reason. Because mm-hmm. this also came out around the same time as "Fuel the Future, which is... Ah, m- This one was the other one, because this one, I can still hear the theme song playing in my head during my quiet moments.
1: All of them. As we're going through this, I'm, like, singing them in
0: my head, all of them. (laughs) Right, which, how much of a good show is dictated by having a catchy theme song? Exactly. Like, how much of nostalgia is built on that? So much. (laughs) Well, we talked about Feel the Future last week. For me, like, one... I don't know I'm a sucker for time like I'm not the biggest fan of time travel stories but I like jokes built around time traveling Mm. like one of my favorite jokes in any show is um there's been Doctor Who where he makes an offhanded reference about like yeah I visited that one blaster factory once and the guy's like didn't blow up in that year and he's like yeah I visited it once once (laughs) and yeah like for me there's so many fun jokes in this um Like, the first episode is literally, whoops, we picked up a caveman while traveling, so I guess we just have a caveman now. I guess we'll worry about the consequences to the timeline later.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, like, the thing I hate about time travel is, like, the whole butterfly effect thing of, like, if you change one thing, it'll destroy all of time and space. And I like that this show just blatantly ignores that, where it's like, I don't know, man, whatever. History usually sorts itself out down the road. Yeah. Like, it ends up in the same place anyway. Right. Um, I have fond memories of this just...
1: show. I feel like this was, like, sort of the easy listening phase of, of Disney Channel where it, it was just an easy, like, something about the show was very low stakes and, like, but you know what? Like, if, if this era of Disney Channel was, like, the renaissance, so to speak, of of these multi-camera shows, the, the multi-cam shows were loud and bright and, like, they were kind of abrasive on the senses. And like, yeah. so when we have this break of Phil of the Future being the single camp, like, uh, something about it was kind of like soothing.
0: Yeah, it's weirdly, like, even just the acting performances are weirdly chill. Yeah. Because like so much, like, it's literally sandwiched between that So Raven and "Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, where if they can't think of a punchline to a joke, like to cap off a joke, someone will just scream.
1: Yeah. Or get injured
0: horribly. (laughs) Right. Whereas this, it's just like, no, the humor is weird time travel stuff. Yeah. Like, someone has a weird gadget, or there's some weird innocuous fact about the future. Like, the fact they don't have toes. Like, they lost one of their toes. (laughs) Yeah. Through evolution. Um, Yeah. And, again, for me, like, the big thing I remember about this show is just, thank fuck they get back to the future. Like, I would have been so stressed out if they never got home.
1: (laughs) okay um here we are here i am in your life and here you are in mine
0: are in mine yes we have the sweet life most yeah, of the most time most of the time yeah i yeah, not always like i was trying to think of what like the equivalent for high school musical is for the disney channel and if it's not hannah montana it's probably sweet life of zach and cody right
1: in like
0: what regard just in terms of, like, being the cultural touchstone for our generation in terms of, like, well, everyone knows this. Like, no, I would credit that, that
1: to High School... I mean, I would credit that to That So Raven again. Like, I think That's So Raven is the keystone. Like, just like High School Musical, that was a hard pivot point.
0: You know what? I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and they are considered, like, parts of the same. It's funny they, like... Because they do the crossover that's... That's so sweet, Life of, of Hannah Montana, Montana.
1: Why did they which, need to do that to
0: us? Gargling marbles, man.
1: Gargling
0: <laughs> marbles, and I love that they just jump over. Fill with the future. They're like, you don't work <laughs> in clean here. Yeah, yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're you not that. are single camera. You don't fit in here. Get out. Right. You're not invited. Yeah, I. God, I'm embarrassed how much I liked Sweet Life of Zach and Cody um, as a kid. Well, not embarrassed because it's like all kids liked it. Right. But one, like, I don't know. Because we talked about with, like, the animated shows, so much of, like, their appeal is you wanted to be like this character. You wanted to be like Kim Possible. Yeah. And I feel like it's so weird how such a common, tr- like, kids narrative thing is. Wouldn't you love to live in the fanciest hotel? You know. Right. Get room service all the time. Exactly. Have, like, amenities and accommodations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I love that it's so, like they're clearly trying to invoke the plaza, but Eloise already lives in the plaza. So right. they have to have one in Boston.
1: Yeah. And I love that they like, see the difference between Zach and Cody and Eloise is like, Eloise was like fabulously wealthy, even as like a five-year-old. And like, they made a point to emphasize that Zach and Cody were poor and like their mother was an employee. <laughs>
0: right. I do. Like, again, I think, and I think th- that's one of the things that I do think helps this show stand out. Like, I don't know, they do underline, like, you know, this is a kind of, like, they have, like, social struggles. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of the narrative, well, one, there's a lot of narrative around the fact that it's a single-parent household because their parents yeah. got divorced, and, like, there are multiple episodes centered around, like, their dad coming by. Like, the fact that our B-plot is usually around Ashley Tisdale and Brenda Song as, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, a employee of the again you know, yeah employee of the hotel class thing
1: and, yeah and a, a Paris and Hilton character Paris Hilton stand-in
0: yeah which man of all the dated things in this the I fact know. that like they literally just changed a few words in the name and uh, gave her Hilton. another
1: another name of a major city in the world <laughs> London
0: right that's so funny yeah that. it is um but yeah and, at, yeah, I, like, so much of it is around, like, the economics of the working class. Even, like, Mosby, it's, like, Deuce is just trying to run a business here. Like, right. this is his job. Yeah. Like, he's not being, like, he's not being, like, a jerk to be a jerk. It's, like, he could get fired.
1: Right, right, yeah. It's so, I never thought about that through the lens of, like, class dynamics of, of most of the characters being blue collar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're literally working in this place. It's yeah. a workplace sitcom inside, like, a Disney Channel sitcom.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that.
0: It's also interesting because it's not like we ever see them go to school or anything. School is referenced, but I don't remember a single scene that occurs in a school.
1: No, I remember episodes of Maddie and London being in school because they went to an all-girls school. Like, they went to, like, a oh. girls'
0: Catholic school, and there were, like, nuns. Oh, yeah, I do remember that a little bit. but yeah. For the most part, 90% of the action takes place in, like, oh, this is where these employees work. So much of the conflict is centered around, like, the employees having to do something. Right. Um, One of my favorite episodes is, like, Zach and Cody actually feel guilty because, like, all the expenses they're creating are cutting into their mom's paycheck. Mm. And to try and get a huge influx of cash, they are going to try and sneak into this wedding that's occurring at the Tipton and get a photo of the bride and groom kissing. And I (laughs) like that it's, like yeah second cody like i don't know it's just like a weirdly i don't know it's a weirdly sweet plot centered around like right the business of this hotel mm. um what are some episodes you remember because there's a handful that i, I uh, can read off the top of my I head i
1: probably remember some of the most iconic ones like the episode where london's like learning how to drive mr mosby is Prindle. is like kind of her father figure cuz she has this ab- this absentee wealthy father that even when he does I kind of love that arc for a character like London who the episode where her father does show up and we don't even see his face he has <laughs> like
0: per- it's perfect.
1: Yeah, it's it's excellent. Um but uh, oh dang. Oh, the episode where they film that commercial for the Tipton and there's that elaborate, oh, yeah. like, song and dance
0: number. Never under... Well, that's... Again, we're referencing so much of, like, old Hollywood and old, like, entertainment industry. You can never put a price on a classic, like, golden age of Hollywood. Everyone's singing.
1: Here we are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you?
0: Um, a couple... Well, there's the episode where um, London... Uh, why... Maddie yes Maddie I keep wanting to say Ashley mm-hmm. um goes to Maddie's house and it's like wow you live like this and like has her first moment of like class consciousness in her yep. entire life um I just love what they do London in general because it's like you know they dunk on her a lot but at the same time it's like they still humanize her in the sense of like yeah if you grow up in this environment you're just fundamentally you a different yeah you're just fundamentally different like than everyone else like you have right. to learn unlearn all of that to be a person yeah. Um, I like the episode where they, tra- like, they imagine like the start of the Revolutionary War. Mostly oh, yeah. Because I just remember the ads being like, the people are revolting. You're telling me. Have you seen how they dress?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I do remember that.
0: The Christmas episode where someone has a baby in the elevator. Um, oh, right. Again, the, like it might have been the same episode, but it was also a Christmas episode where it's like, Zach becomes insistent that like he's gonna get their parents back together, and it's like a weirdly sad episode. Oh like, god! Yeah. Show, for a show that's built around two sort of obnoxious like uh, like middle school boys, it's mm-hmm. got a weird amount of soul to it. Right. Um, the Halloween episode with the um, haunted hotel oh. room because I'm a sucker for any haunted hotel room plot.
1: Or that's like, a good haunted one. House thing. Yeah. Goodness, I've forgotten about so many Mosby of these. Used to have hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: fort- my large do saved me from a severe concussion, but um, yeah, I God, I I might go back and I'm embarrassed. Well, I am embarrassed, but I might go back and watch a bunch of these episodes. Honestly, I really like this show. Yeah, I also like that it has the. Why is there always some kind of super genius in all of these? Like, if it's not set with a bunch of guys from the future like the fact that like the janitor does all these gadgets and stuff i love that Mm -hmm. they're always like we need one kid we need either a super smart kid or a super smart adult so if we want to have a wacky hijinks episode with like gadgets we can just do that
1: i don't know i think that maybe that was a 2000s i know like the 2000s had a lot of gadget tropes of a gadget guy
0: yeah And it literally just feels like a oh well this just gives us a toy box if we want to do something different,
1: right? Exactly.
0: Um, Now this, I actually have no idea what your political stance is on, where you lean, what you. Hannah
1: Montana. Okay, so like, I do have a. There was a pivot point in my life that I truly got sick of Hannah Montana. I was on board. For most of it, this was a show growing up that, like, speaking of, like, these shows being weirdly loud and bright and colorful, this was probably the first one that my mom, like, I, I, have, I have clear memories of her complaining about, of, like, why are they screaming? And <laughs> and she would always point that out of, like, oh, my God, like, why are they yelling at each other? Like, they're just talking. But, like, yeah, every, all of the dialogue is shouted. In this show, specifically. And that was just, like, that was the direction. Like, that was that was the energy that they wanted, which is so insane to me. Because yeah, even like, even Zach and Cody, like, they, they sort of spoke normally to each other. But, yeah, they did freaking shout. Why? Yeah, Why what is that?
0: I don't know. And, uh, like, I feel like this is sort of a culture reckoning we've had in general, especially around, like, you know... Like, in the dawn of more Star Wars stuff, really reckoning with just how terrible people were to, um, uh, uh, oh my god, I'm literally blanking on his name now. Um, The kid who played Anakin. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I feel like we've had a cultural reckoning about, like, hey, remember that, like, grown adults are telling these kids to do these performances. They're the ones who give the final approval. Like, you know, Hannah Montana screams because... A person in a chair told her to.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Like, they don't necessarily have the autonomy to shape their own performances in these cases, you know?
1: Not at all. Regardless um, of
0: how talented or untalented they may be.
1: Right. Yeah, I I watched Hannah Montana for the longest time. I think the music stuck with me. This is when they really dug deep into their record label, that yeah. the Hollywood records that they had.
0: Well, see, that's Um, why I feel like this one is such, like, a culture change. Because this is when, like, all of these studios go all in on the idea of, like, more music. Yeah. Lots of, like, make stars out of these kids. Not just, like, you know. Like, that was always a part of the Disney brand. Like, you're staying in-house. But, like, the idea of, like, we are making you a three, like, a triple threat. Sing, act, dance.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But to this day, like, it's at some point... I absolutely turned away from the show very intentionally. I think I got sick of it pretty soon. Even though, like I said to this day, a lot of the music I still enjoy. But, yeah, Hannah yeah. Montana was when I was beginning to age out and not care so much. Or or just are genu- like genuinely not enjoy as much.
0: Yeah. This is when I pretended not to watch. I pretended to be a bummer. Yeah. This also was when we were getting to, like, a real cultural moment. That I think you just talked on where it's like, you're, like... You know, early internet discourse was so dominated by, like, guy voices and, like, nerd culture voices. So this kind of ended up, for me, getting lumped in with, like, Twilight and, like, you know.
1: Oh, I see. The
0: Transformer Megan Fox, where it's like, fuck this shit. Like, look at look what they're trying to f- shove down our throats. Look at this garbage. And, like, now <laughs> we look back and be like, wow, that was really toxic and, like, gross yeah. that we were like this. Especially in the context of Hannah Montana, because this is literally a child. Mm-hmm. But... I think it, I don't know. It's easier to come back and look nostalgically at Hannah Montana just because after all the ups and downs, it kind of worked out for Miley and, you know, she's in a much better place as an artist and a person. Yeah, but definitely. It is insane how big this was at the time and like how this kind of was like, for me felt like like a culmination of everything, like in terms of like, oh, all of these shows are about like wish fulfillment for kids. What better wish fulfillment is living a double life of having, being a pop star, but also just being a kid in a Getting school. to go to high school. Yeah. I just, the, most, it's weird. Most of my memories of the show are like the season after she reveals her double identity. Really?
1: Because I didn't yeah, even stick around that, for
0: that. I just wanted to see what the consequences were. And all of it was just her being like, this is terrible. I can't believe this. I can't. And I'm like, what did, you, there was a reason why you did this. Like, there was a reason why you kept the disguise going for so long, dude. Yeah. You knew this was going to happen. It's literally the meme of, like, uh, sewing. Ha ha, look at me sewed all these oats. This is great. Reaping. Ah, oh, this sucks. What the fuck? Why
1: would I do this?
0: Well, we're talking about the wish fulfillment of all these, like, wouldn't you love to be a pop star? Wouldn't you love to live in a fancy hotel? Wouldn't you love to live in the fucking White House?
1: Honestly, kind of. <laughs> At least, f- based off of this show, kind of.
0: Yeah, I guess I go back and forth because if I was in Corey's specific shoes, yeah, probably because you'd be innocuous and no one would know who you are. Being the actual president seems really stressful.
1: Yeah, even though the president was kind of a doofus, but uh, maybe that's not so far fetched. Yeah, it's
0: it really is a hell of a thing. Like during the Bush era, we just normalized the idea that a president is supposed to be of like
1: Yeah.
0: If a man has the capability of erasing existence by pushing a big red button, I want them to be very smart.
1: Yeah, no. Not this guy. You know, I, I often think about like when they were when they realized they needed to do a spin-off of this show, like, what were the other Diaz that that didn't make the cut here? Like how how did they take And and to be fair? Here? They only could ensure that they would have like two members of the cast moving forward. I mean, even even we forget that the mom Tanya on uh, That's So Raven was not present for like the final season of the show. <laughs> um, they oh, can, God, they wrote that. her off, yeah. Um, and so then they were like, okay, the only two characters we can move on with at this point is Corey and the father. Um, yeah, so what do we do?
0: And that's the thing. Like, again, we, we weren't there. We don't know what the, like, production history of this was. Right. But, like, when they decided to do a spin-off of a popular show, which, to Disney's credit, they have not done with any of these up until now. Like, a weird right. amount of restraint up until this point in history. Right. Like, they take, have multiple takes. They have multiple attempts. Lest we forget, iCarly, Sam and Cat was attempt number two. Attempt number one... Was a Gibby show. Like, they they will do other attempts. Yeah. Yeah, that was filmed. There's evidence that exists. I forgot. Um, But, okay, getting to Corey doesn't, like, that tracks. It's like, popular Mm -hmm. sibling character, give them their own show, completely tracks. Right. Then you're like, okay, dad's a chef. Can we do something with that?
1: Yeah, that's strong. And And then somehow. Already has a reputation of being a very good chef, so there's a lot we could go with there.
0: And somehow you end up on, he gets commissioned to be the chef, lead chef for the White House because the president wants him to be. How is that? I just, and this is the one, I wish I watched more episodes of this because I don't really remember. The only episode I really remember is like the, like the episode where they're on a plane and they're with like the Russian president, which, holy tortellini, a lot of this show is dated. And uh, he inadvertently gives, the president inadvertently gives Russia, or Russia, Alaska back, and then they have to compete in a dance-off game, like Dance Dance Revolution, which again, man, this is dated.
1: What the heck?
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, again, this show really does feel like Mad Libs, where you're just like, yeah. we know, we need someone, like the pipeline, the mandate is literally spin-off with Corey, and then everything else was just frenetics like, ad-libs. Yeah.
1: I actually watched a lot of Cory in the house. I remember really liking, even even though like I was sort of not present for most of this time of Disney Channel. I was like veering away. I do remember watching
0: this a lot actually,
1: and liking it actually. Yeah, it's just such a
0: weird again because it's like if if like Cory like if Cory was the kid from Lizzie McGuire like a slob like a weirdo. It would kind of track, because you'd be like, it's snobs versus slobs. That's the, you know, this slobbish family coming into the White House. But it's like, no, like, they lived in a nice place. Dad is, like, a respected chef. Like, he's a classy chef. He was on TV. Corey himself is, like, a little mega maniacal. Like, he's very image-obsessed. Right. It's it's so weird. Like, this is your first spinoff you do. This is what you come to. And I'm like, yeah, but isn't that just, like syndicated children's television, sometimes you just try shit. Right. And yeah. it lasts for a surprisingly long time. And then you even get Raven to cameo in an episode.
1: Right, right. <laughs> that was That's more of the muddy, sweaty writing. Um, is, like, their attempts to explain where their mother has gone and explain where Raven has been all this time. and And that they've all just yeah. kind of sold, what, they sold the family home and, like, now... Their transplants, like everybody's a transplant. Like, oh, oh, I don't know if 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 the story is that their mother is still around somewhere. Maybe maybe they didn't sell the San Francisco home. It's weird. Listen, yeah. we don't need to. <laughs> I'm gonna drive myself crazy well, if I try and
0: apply logic to parse it. out why this happened. Yeah, I mean nothing will ever be sweatier than like Fuller House constantly referencing that Michelle wasn't there and then literally looking at the fucking camera. That made me... So, I, I'm still angry about that. That was years ago. I should let that go, but I what won't. is
1: wrong with them? Why, why would they John ruin Stamos their own shit Stamos is kind of like annoying. That. Yeah, that's so annoying.
0: It seems like... Especially because it seems like those specific digs were exclusively driven by John Stamos. I feel like, like everyone else is like, they don't want to be in it. Whatever. They've all they
1: Let's, make, let's make something clear. Like, Mary-Kate and Ashley don't need y'all.
0: Yes, they've evolved past this. They don't need y'all. The fact y'all. that you all are here... Yeah, yeah. The, like, the only people who don't need this are them and maybe Bob Saget, but I guess he decided right. to be nice.
1: Yeah, he's he's doing y'all a favor by being here, but, like, these girls don't need y'all. Like, it's the other way around, okay? So, like, let's put some more respect on their names, like, because yes. y'all are this close to being what we would call a has and a been. Thank hey. you and good night. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, Do you have anything interesting to say about Sweet Life on Deck? Which is another one I watched a lot. You missed Wizards of Waverly
1: Place.
0: Oh, Wizards of Waverly Place. So this is another one I watched a lot. Like, I actually really like this one. Yeah. I like New York and I like Wizards. Oh, it's New York. Yeah. Well, because I think a lot of it is like the filled the future thing of just like simple one sentence idea. Uh, Family from the future and the present. Or wizards and magical people in New York. The, like, you just get so many fun little hijinks just based off one-off, like, magical ideas. Like, there's an entire episode surrounded by—around the idea of, like, their dad introduces them to a do-over spell. It can reverse time, but only a few seconds. So, like, it's literally a last-ditch thing if you really screwed something up and you need to fix it.
1: Mm-hmm. And they
0: naturally abuse it and create problems.
1: Right, obviously. It's a show I
0: simultaneously loved but didn't as a kid because it's like, that premise is nice and clean, but everything else around the show is so fucking sweaty. Are you familiar with how the magic works in the show?
1: I, listen, I watched the show, but I have memories of not really being into it or... um, Yeah, I was just so not invested in Wizards of Waverly Place. I remember kind of watching it... But, again, I was aging out and turning away from this. This this is probably... This might be the last thing I, like, really yeah. watched.
0: Yeah. For me, this is, like, the last gasp as well. Um, so the idea is, like, there are magical families. Like, it runs in the family. It's They're doing the Harry Potter thing, everyone. They're doing the Harry Potter thing. But only one kid from each family is allowed to keep their magical powers so when they all reach a certain age they have to enter a competition against each other and i'm like what why Why? what that's so greasy even the ads underlined how greasy it was where they would be like here's blah 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 they're a witch here's blah 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 they're a wizard and then they put a whole line of text on the screen that ends with the dad saying something like what Like even they're like God. Why did we make this so elaborate? (laughs) Why couldn't we just say they're wizards? Yeah. And then especially the later seasons that add a magical school because God forbid we do or don't have a magical school in this. Right. And then they added werewolves and zombies and it just got a little muddled. And Mm -hmm. the final the finale is such a cop out. And I can't believe I'm getting angry about the finale for a teen show for babies and teenagers at age 27. <laughs> I am literally <laughs> turning to dust teenagers. on screen. And I'm pissed off about a Celine Gomez, Selena Gomez pilot. Um, so they enter the competition. And the one thing I do like is her character, who's kind of like the lazy one. She's like most success, least amount of effort actually starts taking it very seriously when she realizes she can't date her werewolf boyfriend if she loses her powers. She wins. The nerd brother ends up getting to keep his powers because the dean of the magical school's like, well, I need someone to replace me, and you seem like a good candidate. And then the third brother just gets to run the family sandwich shop. And he's like, that's great. And the credits are rolling, and it's just this weirdly like whatever ending where everyone's like, okay, I guess we all get what we want. And I'm like, this sucks.
1: I was in...
0: We were all rooting for you and you let us down.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, something about Wizards of Waverly Place was is, like, as an adult, unremarkable to me. It's one I may never revisit. Um, but I think that that just speaks more to, like, where I was at the, at the mm. time that, that this was on TV. I just did not care.
0: <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but Waverly Place looks nothing like that. It's you love to like be that guy. A single block. You're right. Who, who are we kidding here? Let's not like we're being vulnerable That's who this you episode. Are. Let's not. Yeah. I am who I am. I I am a raccoon, apparently. Uh <laughs> yeah, it, it's literally a single building worth of street. It it's not like a sitcom set.
1: Yeah, nothing is a sitcom set corner.
0: <laughs> Except sitcom sets.
1: Except sitcom sets, yeah.
0: Checkmate, Barkley.
1: That's we could, yeah. You know the White House doesn't really look like that either. In
0: <laughs> I've been in the White House. I know what it looks. Like. Okay. But I digress. Anyway, sweet life on deck. I have nothing interesting to say.
1: I intentionally avoided that show when it was on TV. I when I saw them gearing up for that, I was like, "Thank you, ma'am, but no, thank you. I'm going to opt even out. as a I don't want to watch Even this. Even
0: as a kid, I could realize like this feels really forced. It's like we're really yeah. we're, like what? Mm-hmm. Does the Hilton have a cruise liner? No. Huh. Oh, maybe they're trying to do a thing with Disney cruises. I don't fu- who fucking cares. Sunny, uh, did you watch any of Sunny with a chance?
1: A small sliver. Yes. Um you know I what's funny? I again, this is one of those things I think. When I say I watched it, I meant like sometimes it was just on TV and I was in the same room as that TV and I guess my eyeballs saw some of it, but I was not intentionally like sitting down to watch "Sunny with a Chance.
0: Yeah. What's wild is I remember the ads for this thing. I remember seeing so many ads for it and having like the pun explained to me. i would never seen a single episode. And I just think it's wild that Disney in there, like Patina, had both Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez basically at the same time.
1: Mm. Yeah, I have nothing to say really about Sunny with a Chance. I mean, as it was supposed to be a variety show or a show about people on a variety show.
0: Yeah, it was that. And I remember Nickelodeon apparently was really pissed off because they felt it was aping iCarly.
1: Huh, to the point where they
0: do a parody of Sonny and the Chance on Nickelodeon, and I'm like, "All right, Glass Houses, you your yeah. y- your show is run by a, a creep who likes feet, so yeah, like let's your, not you know let's not get is high and mighty
1: by Jabba the Hut, literally,
0: yeah, an like. actual gremlin. So like yeah. you know let's 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 take the outrage meter down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do remember a little bit of Jonas only because it's like. It's weird it took them that long to make a show about the Jonas Brothers.
1: Is it weird? Because it's the... (laughs) That's one that is just like... It doesn't matter what resources you have. Sometimes you're not good at something. And the Jonas Brothers are not good at acting.
0: Yeah, that one... I mean, well, the Beatles weren't good at acting either. And they go, well, that's not entirely true. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's a funny thing. Like... It's so funny we're talking about, like, what are the seminal things of our childhood. The Jonas Brothers are, other than High School Musical, number one with a bullet. And yet, like, it's... We have to, like, talk around them. Because despite being the biggest thing Disney has right now, they're not, like, in anything. They just perform. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And... I was going to say, now that we've reached this point where we're, like, actually in high school. Yeah. Literally just rattle off any of the ones, on like, that you can think of post this Sunny with a Chance and Jonas.
1: The only thing on here that I kind of paid attention to was Shake It Up. Um, really?
0: I don't think I watched a single episode of that.
1: I probably only watched a single episode of that. And it was only because, like, I was, this was when I was, like really into dance and being a dancer and i knew that i wanted to go to college for dance at this point um so oh look a show about some kids being dancers and i used to watch (laughs) there used to be a show on mtv called america's best dance crew oh um, i remember that that i was like obsessed with america's best dance crew and one of my favorite crews that won was on an episode of shake it up so really yeah so like after they won they guest starred on an episode and they did like a performance within an episode of shake it up so i paid attention for like that but i didn't care about this show i mean it was yeah it was it was something about shake it up was kind of unremarkable um and if if there was ever like whatever formula that makes up raven and hannah montana and all these old ones of like all right get a bunch of bright colors and some overacting child stars and like put them in a blender you know that's essentially what shake it up is like i just remember a lot of the ads leading up to shake it up and them being like oh, these girls are super talented and we've challenged them with some really difficult choreography and we're so impressed with how they've taken on this work. And I saw their choreography and, I don't know, it actually wasn't that... I I wasn't that impressed.
0: (laughs) I do remember from this era, this and Ant Farm, it really felt like they were the last time... And and it was probably because, again, they just had Demi Lovato... Like, they had a through line of Hannah Montana, Jonas Brothers, uh, Demi Lovato, and Selena. Where they're like, we really need to push the kids. We need to push the stars we're making. Yeah. And I couldn't remember which one, because I knew Zendaya was on one of them. I thought it was Ant Farm, not Shake It Up. Zendaya, who we all know is also Michi.
1: Yes, obviously. Zendaya is Michi. (laughs) That's the
0: important thing you need to know. Um,
1: (laughs) um,
0: God almighty. Um, If you know. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the thing. I think that's, like, the most telling part when you grow out of this. You remember watching, like, you see the ads. You hear them being like, this is the most important thing you're going to watch. This is the next thing. And your brain is like, no, it isn't.
1: The minute you can tell your
0: brain, no, it isn't, is the minute they lose you. Right. Um, Yeah, from this era, literally all I remember is Good Luck Charlie and Dog with a blog. I Mm. thought Good Luck Charlie was cute. Like, I like the idea that they always end with, like, like they're just making home videos for this kid to grow up with. And I'm like, eh, that's kind of cute. And Dog of the Blog, that shows, I watched a bunch of episodes of that, I hate to admit. I remember that, yeah. Like, leading up to this. That shows fucking insane. Like, it is the, like, it's a concept that makes you go, has Disney lost their magic? Because you're like, uh, uh, Dog, uh, writes blog, uh, Uh, can't talk. uh." Do people know he can uh, talk? Um... And it's like, okay, so the idea is like he writes his own little memoir on the computer and then like the kids know he can talk and the parents don't at least the hijinks. There's an episode where he drives a car and just fucking crashes it. There is, uh, he has <laughs> puppies later in the season and the whole thing is like he's going to step up and be a dad. He's going to stop being such a cat and be a dad. Mm. And then the finale is act, like they do the elf thing where they get scooped up by the government because like he accidentally oh, talks God. in front of like a military guy and gets scooped up. Oh, God. And the difference is the episode actually ends where everything's worked out. Now just millions of people read his blog. Like, people just know there's one talking dog in the world. Right. As opposed to Alf that ends on a cliffhanger where they're like, are they dead? Was Alf dissected? Um, and, yeah. The the final episode, like, for some reason in the final episode, there's a piano dangling overhead. And, like, the parents are under it and it's about to fall. So the dog has to, like, out himself. It That show, for how, like sweaty the premises they just commit i was shocked how much they committed and like the ending is this sappy like teary emotional thing of like you know i'm just like you guys all i want at the end of the day is a hug and a family who cares about me and i'm like i someone at the network really loved this idea yeah and was determined to find the hearts of the dog who had a blog (laughs) but yeah that's kind of it because like i swear to god i looked down the list of all these shows Sydney to the... Ma- what the fuck did you get on Disney Channel, Sydney? Oh,
1: did I not mention that? No!
0: I yeah, that were, was a little like, thing. I explained why you weren't returning my calls for a while. Mm. Um, You know, the NDAs and whatnot. Right, and, right. Yeah, but one of the big points I wanted to make is, it's so interesting, because like we were saying, like with the animated shows, there's so many that I'll come, like, newer ones that I'll try, or at least come back to after the fact. Whereas, like... I have no interest in watching, like, Casey undercover, stuck in the middle. Like, I have no interest in any of these. Yeah. And you know what it is? It really is interesting how, like, the degrees of separation animation creates versus live action. Because so much of what we've been talking about is, like, the key to Disney Channel television content is, like, the sort of, like, wish fulfillment of it all. Like, don't you want to be like this character? Don't you want to live like this? This is what the teens, you know... And especially in the live action stuff, because it's like, you know, so much of it is like, this is what teens are like, and this is what you should try to be as a teen. And you realize, like, the minute you turn a certain age, like, you ju- you're, like, why would you watch teenagers then? Like, they have right. nothing to, like, there's just nothing there for you. And then maybe you come back to that when you're watching it with your kid, and you can at least try to enjoy, like, the narrative at all. But, right. like, once you've lived through all that, it just doesn't do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Amphibia and Owl House, yes, I understand those characters, you know, the degree, like, the separation it creates through animation. It's like, yeah, I know all these kids or characters or teenagers, but it's, like, fantastical and, like, exaggerated and silly, so that's fine. Right, right. I guess, yeah, I guess, like, as we're breaking it down, as we wrap up, like, looking over all this, like, how are you feeling? Like... What are your big takeaways from going down memory lane here?
1: I mean, just to echo what you said, yeah, that I did not realize that I think Disney Channel, more than the other children's networks, was about, and, and maybe to a degree Nickelodeon, but yeah, it, it was about, don't you wish that this was like your life? maybe that was their angle not like what are kids like but like what do, do kids want yeah or what do they think like, they want
0: yeah and I guess a part of that is like so much of the content is like sitcom centric they approached like all of these in some way shape or form are sitcoms they didn't really break the genre mold that much no and like I guess like the a sitcom is literally like You know, sitcoms are so powerful, Wanda Maximoff kidnaps an entire town and brainwashes them into playing Mm dress-up. Like, you know, sitcoms are inherently about, like, this is what the ideal world looks like. Yeah. And this is just that taken to a cartoony extreme. And, like, I think one of the things that appeals to me, like, one of the things that's so interesting with Disney compared to the other networks is, like, how cartoony their live-action stuff is. It's weird, like... I assumed there was going to be a big difference between their animated content and their live action content. But in reality, tonally and, like, energy-wise, yeah, totally they're shockingly similar. Right. In terms of, like, oh, we want the live action stuff to feel like cartoons, while the cartoons have enough domesticity in them to feel kind of sitcom and real. Right. And it's so... I get, and one of the testaments... One of Disney's strengths is it's, like, brand... I'm trying to think of a better word than homogeneity, which I don't think is a word... And also, like I would have believed you know, that was a word. It's it, there's some version of that word. Homogeneity. That, but I can't place it. Maybe Homogeneousness. Um, that's no, right. no, no.
1: It's not that. Nope, no,
0: nope. A minute that came out of my mouth. That like when a word comes out of your mouth and it feels like you just slipped on a banana peel. You're like, yep, nope, that's not it. The sound just goes slipped right off your tongue like that. Nope, that's not it. Yep. But yeah, like I, the, the the point. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for like two hours. We're getting a little I silly know. here, folks. These we knew these episodes were going to be long, um, but it's <laughs> Disney Channel month. It, they they yeah. they've been doing this shit for forty years. We can do it for like eight for hours, two hours over a month. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but. Yeah, it it's it's one of Disney's strengths is having like a really clean house style, like having a very understood like this is what Disney is. Right. Exactly. And sometimes it it can be a little fluid and sometimes we'll tweak it, but largely when you watch a Disney thing from this is what 1960, Sixty, you're, you're gonna be able to watch a Disney thing from twenty ten and get the same general energy. Yeah. And it's so and interesting how they were able to do that for two different literally different dimensions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, God. This is a fun month.
0: Yeah, this was... Like I said, this one... It's funny because I've seen more of the animated stuff. I have more memory. Like, I have more... Like... I have more experiences with the animated stuff. Same. But I have so much stronger memories of all the live-action stuff. Right? This is the one corner of disney Dome where I'm, like, all in on live-action.
1: Exactly. Wait. Which show has your favorite theme song?
0: All right, give me two seconds to think about this. I'm literally playing them all in my head. I really like Living Life with Derek, but that was another uh, transplant. That was like a Canadian show that Disney bought the rights to. Life with
1: Derek? Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: Living Life with Derek. I forgot to mention it here because I don't have anything sophisticated to say. I just like the theme song.
1: Wait, there's so many. Do you remember a show called Naturally Sadie? Kind of. I love that one. Yeah, I think that was another Canadian transplant.
0: Yeah, like we have mostly just focused on their original content here, but uh, either Fill the Future or, um, Either Fill the Future or, um, That's So Raven. I thought it was Wizards of Waverly Place, but it's so weirdly atonal and like, just nothing. It's like vaguely rappy and hip hop, but not. But yeah. Fill the Future in That's So Raven is when they nailed the science, where they weirdly explain the whole premise of the show, but it also sounds very lyrical.
1: Right. Um. Yeah, for me, it's between I'm actually between that so Raven and Lizzie McGuire. Honestly, I used to love the Lizzie McGuire theme, that I believe was sung by the actress who plays the mother. Actually, really, yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: Well, until we have our own version of like early '90s, mid 2000s butt rock to introduce our show, I'm Carter,
1: and I'm Sydney
0: have a magical day.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show.
0: Want more of the most magical podcast on earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon.
1: For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.